Welcome to First Draft for this week. I am Chris Sproul, joined by Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr. Wow, I think that's the first time I've ever said McShay before Kuyper. Never do it again, by the way. Watch your back, Mel. <laughs> Guys, always always. We, we, do this, <laughs> we do this episode annually. Mel's guys, Todd's guys. It's basically an early look at the marketplace and all the players that you've been hyping all year that eventually get stolen and somebody else says, yeah, I love this guy all along. When we really know they were reading your rankings early on in the year and just picked up on them. I, I was I was thinking about this because obviously if you, if you didn't stick around to the end of last week's episode, it was revealed that Todd had stolen Terry McLaurin from Mel. Is that right, or is it the other way around? Other way around. Okay. Not even close. Not even yeah. close. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So Mel, well, I'm not even going to comment. Mel on that. stole Terry McLaurin from Todd, yeah. <laughs> but this is a perfect and, entry point. Oh no! no I mean, th- th- this is what he does. This is his thing, uh, and I've learned it. it. It's taken it. It's taken about a decade to, to realize. And if you follow this podcast, you've heard it before. Mel will take a player who he really thinks is 40. And we'll put him at like 22 to get him on the big board so that he can then say, well, Todd, back in uh, November 7th, I had him on the big board at 22, whatever it was, and then can claim him to be his guy when I introduced that player to, to him. And, and then he will eventually <laughs> trickle him back down to where he belongs and get him to 40, <laughs> but he wants to make that splash. I don't. I've worked with Mel before. I don't know if he's this coldly calculating. Mel, I'm not. Mel, do you have he's a making response? it out to be something it isn't? I'm telling you. Or do you? Would you I'm like? Would you like your attorney like to respond in writing? I know. I'm not that bad. I mean, geez, there's some. <laughs> it's just one of your badness. stunts. It's not a stunt. <laughs> so it just happens. You know? Hey, at least the guys I pull stunts with turn out to be good, Todd. So you got to admit that. I haven't. I haven't had a stunt pulled on somebody that was a bust. I don't think yet. Uh, I don't That's know. True. That's true. I'll give you if, that. He, he's, he's, he knows all the guys. If there was one, he'd have been pointing it out by now. Listeners, okay, then, okay, we had McLaurin last week. So, Todd, who is a guy you think you're like, this guy's going to be good, this guy's going to be good? Mel's got him in the 40s or 50s where you went back and said, and he started to come around, and you think, I don't know, Mel. This might have been, my, been Todd's guy. I will go. I mean, there's a handful of them, but I'll, I'll start with <laughs> just one. <please. laughs> I'll start with Zach Bond yeah, from Wisconsin. I'm giving you that. That was his. Yeah, boy from the I beginning. mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I was, I was early on him, late first round, early second, and that's where I still think he's going to wind up being. And, I, and I'm sure Mel's put him in his big board somewhere and on a mock draft. But I, I just, I love his versatility. I love the fact that he he can play all the line. He can play. Off the line, he had a great week at the Senior Bowl. Kind of showed the instincts and the the quickness that that I expected to see from him. And Ross Blacklock gets another one from TCU. And people can say what they want. He didn't finish the season as well, um, you know, down the stretch at, at the defensive tackle position. But he he's a player, and he's one of those guys that it's going to wind up going probably late first, early second, and people are going to say, "Who who who's that guy?" And then three years down the road, we're going to look back and say, wow, he was one of the best 15, 20 players of this year's, of that past year's class. Mel, mm-hmm. we're, I, I, let's get this started then. So let's, let's start going offense, defense. Who are some of your guys for this year? Like, 
Say start at the quarterback position, an obvious one. Somebody you think you probably have a little bit higher than the market right now. Well, how about the running back spot? I'll okay. go there. I'll skip the Flip quarterbacks. Because Todd will be jumping on me as the ob- Mr. Obvious here. But I'm going to go right. Anthony McFarlane, running back <laughs> at Maryland, uh, who likes Stephon Diggs, watched him play high school football. And Stephon went in the fifth round, was a steal. Remember, he was injured that final year at, at Maryland. Same thing with McFarlane. Had the high ankle sprain, limited productivity. Uh, it's down from uh, you know, a lot of yards, over 1,000 yards two years ago to about 600 yards this past season. Two years ago, he had almost 300 yards rushing against Ohio State. Talented kid. Hasn't been able to stay healthy. Was even injured his final year at DeMatha. But when he is healthy, he is a dynamo, electrifying football player. Uh, if they, he goes in the fifth, sixth round, he will be a steal for somebody. A receiver that I think is big play waiting to happen. Todd isn't on him yet. Uh, KJ Hamler from Penn State. Uh, he has return ability, but he's electrifying as you ever well. Heard of him, Todd? In his hands. Todd's heard of him, but doesn't like him as much as I okay, do. Okay. And, uh, he, so I would go McFarland right? and Ham, and Cole Komet, tight end from Notre Dame. Todd's not on Cole Komet. Yeah, now I, I do want to see what Cole Komet runs at the combine because there's I've got 30, 38 on Komet and Hamler at 39. Oh, okay. You hate 38, 39? Where you have McFarlane, about 275? Uh, I'll keep talking, right? Keep going. I like, I, I'm, I'm going to say this. I'll give you a little story. We, I do, I, I spend all day, all night, Saturday night and Sunday morning going through under the radars and guys moving up the big board while McShay's out having Grinding. drinks with, uh, with Levy and, uh, and Greasy. And yeah, I had a guy and I put him in there as my under the radar guy. And about a week later, McShay wanted to go with him, but he couldn't because I already had him. So when you talk about Adam Troutman from Dayton, had him before McShay did, and I have proof with my guys at .com. So I'll go Adam Troutman, tight end Dayton is another one of my guys, okay? Josh Jones, offensive tackle Houston, had him in the first round. McShay moved him into the first round, had him in there before Todd did. Uh, I think if you go to the D, let's go finish that. Matt Peart, Connecticut, talked about him on .com before Todd even knew he existed. Offensive tackle there. And I'm going to go, I'm going to take a guy here who's going to go in the first round, but I loved him before anybody else loved him. LaVisca Chenault Jr. I was raving about him before McKay did last year, two years ago. Uh, I'll go LaVisca Chenault Jr. as a guy that I think is going to be a heck of a player in the NFL. (laughs) Todd, you got a lot to counter for, but let's, let's start on the offensive side (laughs) of the ball. Put some of that aside right Trout, now. Troutman, I'll give you. I, I didn't yeah. know that you were on Troutman, but if you were, congratulations. Well, it's not if, it's not if was I awesome. was. He was okay. I mean, I can't assume anything with you, Mel. <laughs> you know, what do I trust? What, you know. <laughs> Guys, I don't know why you don't. But, but Troutman, was, uh, Troutman had a great week at the Senior Bowl. I was really impressed. And I had not done um, – I had done a tape, one game on him, and liked him. But he, the way he performed and with, you know, with all those general managers and, and head coaches there against that, that level of quality, um, talent, I, I was really impressed with Troutman. And I think he moved in at least into the, the top 100 and, and is one of the top five. I've got him at number three now, but in terms of the tight ends, but at least one of the top five tight ends in this year's class. We got to talk to Brian Ryder and have, uh, uh, McShay get out to more Dayton games on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. That, I'm sure yeah. that would do well for programming. Mm-hmm. Todd, who else? Mel mentioned well, Mel McFarland. Couch, you know, yeah. just, just traveling around the country, <laughs> you know, getting all the info, getting out on, in front of guys, and just waiting for Mel to piggyback on him. I understand. Uh, 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 Todd, Mel mentioned McFarland from the running back. Who in the <laughs> running backs or in offensive players right now 
you think you probably have a you get you're pumping the gas on them a little bit more than everybody else. Pumping the gas. Um, I would say. I'm, can you can you say Dobbins, J.K. Dobbins sure. from Ohio State? Well, there's a big question. I, I mean, think, I heard you talking about it the other day, and I think it was Will Kane. The question the other day, like you put him in the first round, would you actually take that guy in the first round? I mean, it, it's kind of a that classic, you know, where the X and Y graphs, you know, philosoph philosophy versus scouting, where they actually cross. Right, right. He's right at that point. Yeah, I agree. I, I agree, and I think he's one of the top three running backs, if not the the best running back in this year's class. Another player that I, I really like, and he's going to wind up playing in the league for a long time, and he may never be one of the top ten wide receivers in, in, in the NFL, but Michael Pittman Jr. has the makeup. He's, from his route running to his physicality, he, he just he doesn't have big-time speed, but he's he's a big receiver who knows how to separate. He knows how to use his body to get late separation, his dad obviously played in the NFL. He, he's he's been around it, and sometimes there are guys who, you know, grew up with with parents that played in the NFL or played in, in professional sports and made a lot of money that aren't as driven. This dude is so driven, and I I just I love the way he talks about the game. I love everything that I've heard about him. Uh, he had to overcome a, a speech impediment, and he now spends a lot of his off time working with young, you know, young kids who who have the same sort of issues. And he's he's just so mature and so ready to play at the next level that I think you're going to wind up. Where is it? Late second, early mm -hmm. third, wherever he goes, he's going to be somewhere on day two. What's he going to run? Michael Pittman Jr.'s uh, four, it, five, five ish. He, this is one of those guys because so few Maybe of four, these, five, eight. So few of these players even exist, Todd. I, I always default to like an Anquan Bolden, which is such an unfair comp because Bolden was damn near a unicorn after a while. He was so productive, but like bigger receiver kind of. Running back, strong hands. Like you don't even know where these guys fit. You know, it's the Heinz Ward types. I, I don't. I don't know great comps for them. I just know that there. It seems like every year there are two or th two or three of them that wind mm -hmm. up going on and, and being really productive in the league. And we all look back and are like, "What? Oh, it was the speed. It was the height. It was the weight." And it just like go back to the tape and watch the tape. Mm -hmm. This guy's consistently getting open and making plays. Yeah, he had a couple focus drops, but he makes the tough catches in traffic, contested catches. I, I think he's going to be a great number two in the league, and I think you're going to wind up getting him somewhere in that like 80, 85 range in terms of overall players in this year's class. What do you think of Pittman, though? I think he's a two. I think I don't think he'll drop to the third. I think he'll go in the in that mid to late second round area. If he does run, as Todd said, in the four five five range, as long as he's not in the four six plus range, uh, he should be okay. Lynn Bowden Jr. is a kid I also would add to the list of guys I like. Uh, if you can get him in the third round, he'll be a really good pick for somebody. What he did the, for Kentucky this year was pretty remarkable. Tough kid. He's got a little Antoine Randall L in him, so I do like him as well. And anytime you get guys that have versatility in this league right now, uh, it's a big plus. And then Lynn Bowden Jr. Uh, you know, KJ Hamler. Uh, I'd like to see McFarland be a little more, you know, adept catching the ball out of the backfield. Blocking needs to improve. But, and to go back to Dobbins, Todd, I think McFarland's similar. They're great runners, but they, you know, they need to expand that a bit. Dobbins has had some ball security issues. He's not a, a big time receiver out of the backfield. He had a couple drops against Clemson. 
I want to see. I'd like to see. If this was 1985, J.K. Dobbins would probably be a top 15 pick. He's a fierce runner, but he's not the great receiver, and he does have to do a better job, as Jonathan Taylor does at Wisconsin. We had, what, 18 fumbles, 16 fumbles at Wisconsin? Uh, they did a better job making sure that their ball security is the where it needs to be. Hey, Mel, you can kick this off here. Pivoting to, like, players you like versus the marketplace. One thing that seems really unsettled right now mm-hmm. is the order in which we're stacking offensive tackles. There were some people that were, you know, Thomas is going to be the guy. Ellis is going to be the guy. It's not really clear, you know, beaten from uh, Louisville has jumped into the mix. I, I don't even, I, don't, I really don't know. And obviously, uh, you know, given what I know, Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm a, such a soothsayer, I would typically be able to, you know, do a perfect mock draft at this point. But I don't know where the tackles are going to end up in this class. Like, who are you on versus like people that you're talking to? You're like, I, I don't know. I, this is my direction for the tackles. Well, it's a little uh, bit of a of a mixed opinion on a lot of these guys in terms of where they'll go in terms of the first guy taken. Mm-hmm. Becton from Louisville is the dancing bear. He's laid on his feet for a big guy. He is definitely a you know, player, and I talked about him earlier, Todd's jumping on that bandwagon now with Becton. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. Worfs I've been on all year because I liked him at right tackle. He played left tackle, and I thought he did a pretty good job the two games he filled in for Jackson when Jackson was hurt. People want to critique him. I thought he did a solid job at left tackle. Uh, Wills had a good year at right tackle. Thomas is a left tackle who keeps, will get, keep getting better and better. He has not yet, I think, you know, gotten to where he, uh, he will be. He's still a developing left tackle, which I like. He's not a finished product. Um, five offensive tackles there that will be in the first. The one that I don't have as high a grade on as Todd does is Austin Jackson from USC. Todd's big on these USC Trojan players. Uh, I don't see Jackson. His, his technique, he gets beat. Uh, I, you know, I understand he's got talent, but he's got a long way to go before he's going to be up against these quality edge rushers in the NFL because he was beaten at USC far too much for my liking. So I understand the talent, but that's a boomer bust in my opinion in, uh, in Austin Jackson, uh, from USC. Uh, Matt Peart, Connecticut. I have a second round grade on it where Todd is on him. Uh, but I think there's going to be some five offensive tackles in the first and, uh, and some pretty good second-rounders as well at that spot. Yeah, I think Austin Jackson is – that's it's purely on on developmental upside, just you know the potential that he, he brings. He's not there yet, and I wish he went back to school for another year because I think he could have really entrenched himself as a, potentially a top-10 pick somewhere in that range. But – Look at the drop off after. That's that would be my argument. Really, is how much talent is there at that position and along the entire offensive line this year? When you you look at Austin Jackson and and like who who else is there? Well, Sadiq Charles. That's, that's I'll tell you, Sadiq concern. Charles and Isaiah. You mentioned going back, Todd, for Austin Jackson. He should have. Sadiq Charles, LSU, really, I think, should have gone back. Isaiah Wilson, Georgia, should have gone back. So those are some guys who are still raw, have talent, but they're not there yet. Uh, Trey Adams, Washington, you talk about where he can be once he's in the league. We had discussed him a lot coming back from the injury. Uh, but I think Peart from Connecticut, I'm going to roll the dice on a gifted athlete who I think has yet to play his best football. I think Matt Peart in, say, the middle to late portion of round two, I like better than, say, an Austin Jackson in that 20 range. Really? I do, yeah. Yeah, I like him better as a late two than I do Austin Jackson at pick number 20. Okay. All right, one, one more where I want to know if, if he's one of your guys or if he's a guy that you're actually questioning. He's at the top of the board, so he's going to have a good grade for each of you. 
But Todd, Isaiah Simmons to me, as I've talked to some people in the past week, I'm not saying he's not a really good football player. That's obvious. You know, off-ball linebacker. He can run. He can hit. He can cover a bit. You know, he seems perfect for the modern game. My question is, is he great in any one area, or is being that Swiss Army knife going to get him overdrafted, whereas maybe he's more of like a Derwin-James comp, and he should be going more in the teens, because he's not going to be, you know, Derwin-James is a great player, but is the is the perfect yeah, where would you, fit where obvious? Where would you take Derwin-James? Where would, where you would take I Derwin take him James? now? You know? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing about Derwin James is—is is he ever going to be completely healthy? I mean, he got hurt at—he got hurt at FSU. You know, he's missed time already in the NFL. But all right, well, Simmons hasn't been injured. No, 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 no. He's you're right. Healthy. I'm saying Derwin. And, and in terms of how he plays, is the comp fair? I know. I I I love him. And yeah. listen, I've talked to some scouts that, that don't. But I think the league is trending so so obviously to towards what he provides that. It, He's the guy, like, Brent Venables was able to basically build his defense around this guy last year. I mean, you watch him rushing off the edge. Mm-hmm. You watch him on a, you know, double-A gap blitz. You watch him working off the line of scrimmage. And then you watch him against Ohio State as a single high safety going 30 yards, you know, across the field to go make that interception based off of, A, his ability to read the quarterback because he's played safety and he's used to playing in space. And B, his ability to to actually close and have that speed, and then C, the understanding of when to go up and attack the ball and, and bring it in. I mean, find me many guys that can offer that. And and Venables has been telling me for three years about this kid, and I've always seen the talent. But this past year, he finally developed. I thought into a, a, an elite football player and showed that it's the best ball is still ahead of him. I would bet on him more than ever now in today's pass happy finesse type NFL. I mean, he's 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 just the right fit for what you're looking to do, and he allows you to be so multiple. Mel, where are you, high or low? You know, he's right in that top group. I mean, he's got to be uh, for as versatile as he is. I mean, you look at you know, are you going to take an offensive tackle over Isaiah Simmons if you're the New York Giants? Or are you going to trade down from there and figuring I can still get a tackle if you're not in love with Simmons? If they don't feel he's the guy, and Todd brought up the fact they haven't drafted that linebacker since Carl Banks at that spot. If, if they're against the linebacker, then they and they don't want to reach for an Andrew Thomas from Georgia, and they don't want to reach for Wills from Alabama or whoever it may be. Okay, we're gonna got all, we gotta know all who all the names are, and they want to move down. They're still gonna get one of those guys. So if they like worse, you can get them in that eight to ten range, or they can get Becton uh, or Wills or even Thomas, maybe. So they're not all gonna go. Not all these offensive tackles are going in the top ten. So if he's not in love, I'm talking about Dave Gettleman's not in love with Simmons as that high a pick. Moving down and getting an offensive tackle would make sense. You say, well, who's going to move up to that spot? Well, that's a pick that could represent the quarterback. And that's where you talk about whether it's Tua, if somebody wants to jump ahead of Miami to go to four, that fourth pick, Todd, if Okuda is at three and Chase Young's at two and Burrow's at one, and four is the hot spot now because Okuda has such a high grade and, and Matt Patricia sees Stephon, Stephon Gilmore opposite uh, Darius Slay and he's not going to move. Four becomes the hot 
point because you got to get the four to get Tua. Oh, and if you love Herbert, same thing. If Herbert gets hot down the process as well, Miami is looking quarterback. If you identify your quarterback and you want to get to that spot, the Giants could have a pick that they could move down, still get Simmons maybe, or go for the offensive tackle at a more palatable point. Yeah, I just keep thinking. I, I see Simmons at the top of boards, and it's it's not a fair comparison per se in terms of just the skill set. Well, I'll but- say this. I will say this. I look at what Deion Jones has meant because of his versatility in Atlanta, right. and, and you talk about these versatile guys who can run and fly and cover. And be, this league, aside, it's a different league now. If this was like the mid-'80s, you wouldn't do it. But now uh, with the way he can flip his hips and he can turn and run, he's he's got great coverage skills. And he showed, uh, look what he did, how he was a game wrecker early on against the uh, against LSU before they adjusted um, getting into the backfield. So, uh, you know, Simmons is going to play a long time in this league. He's going to have a really good career. But if, if you feel like you need somebody at, say, an offensive tackle spot, which is traditionally what the Giants and Gettleman have done, uh, then I think I, I would say you have to move off of that pick. And, Todd, do you think, do you agree that that fourth pick is going to be the hot spot? Yeah, it could be. But I don't – I just wouldn't move out of there and, and lose the option of getting Simmons because I think there's a little bit of a – I think there's a No, I'm saying if they're not in that. love with Simmons. Yeah, if they're not in love with Simmons, yeah, of course. But Simmons, I mean, man, he's – what am I missing? He's so long. He's fast. He can play outside, inside, single high. Like, what else do you need? Now, can he cover a slot receiver? consistently no. <laughs> no but how many guys at 6'4 230 right. can right. nobody right mm-hmm. all right i got one more the guy that i think it's mm-hmm. going to be really fascinating to see how high or how low and i i keep okay. thinking these are the guys that are somewhat defined by their versatility where you could have a bad case where it's like well jabril peppers he's really versatile it's like yeah but if he's in the wrong spot it's not going to be good another one for me that sticks out where versatility gets thrown around and it'll get some people high and it'll get some people low is Grant Delpit. Todd, I'll let you go here. Delpit is, I think a lot of people see him as a late one. And going into this season, I thought a lot of people had him higher. Where is he outstanding and where, when people knock him down their boards, are they saying he gets exposed? Well, he he had a great 2018 season and he – didn't live up to expectation in 2019. I think part of it was trying to do too much, although why why did he need to do too much in that secondary that was loaded with future NFL talent? Um, some of it could have been the fact that he knew, hey, I'm, I'm 13, 14, 15 games away from getting paid millions and millions of dollars, so i got to take care of myself. I don't know. I don't know the answer. But I know if you go off of the 2018 tape, this is one of the best 10 players in the country. If you go off of this year, yeah, he's late. He's late first, early, early second, and I know some teams have fallen off of him. But if he winds up in the right spot and is motivated, which I think he will be, once he gets in the league to to play it at a high level, he's going to be a really good player. And there are plenty of teams, even if you're looking in the, you know, the the bottom, the mid to late first, like from Oakland at um, what nineteen. The Dolphins at 18, the Cowboys at 17. You could even go to uh, New England at 23. Like that range, there are plenty of teams that are looking for safety help. And I think the range that he brings, the, he's not an elite run defender, but he's, he's tough. He'll fill. He's got good ball skills, not elite ball skills, but good ball skills. And he just, I think 
what stands out to uh, about him to me is the fact that he does everything either really well or at an elite level. So there's there's no real huge weakness in his game. It, yeah, and the ankle injury. I mean, that's something you have to factor in. He was hurt. Uh, the missed yep. tackles uh, were something people were going to you know, knock him down for. What's going to help him, though, is going to be Because he interviews. struggled to adjust the angles. That, that was why, yeah. yeah his, his ankle injury was a big factor. But I, I think, you know, I don't know what he's going to run, you know, when he, he's coming off the ankle. So it'll be interesting. We'll beat the combine in a few weeks, Todd. It'll be interesting to see. He's, he's going to be fast. Uh, he's going to be in that four five, maybe four four six to four five range. Uh, they'll have a pro day, so we'll see if he does anything to combine. If he doesn't, the pro day. I do think he'll gain momentum once he works out. And as I say coming off the ankle, uh, it only takes one team. Uh, you have him at twenty three. I think seventeen may be the high point. Dallas is that spot. Uh, he could drop a little later. Some people think he's more of a second round pick based on the way he played this year. But I think the ankle, you have to factor that in. Uh, so I think Delpit's going to be interesting to see. I think after uh, combine. Or pro day, uh, when he runs, uh, we'll have uh, an idea that it dealt, but I think will be one of those guys with the arrow pointing up a little bit. I'll uh, I'll I'll tell you where uh, where I stand on him uh, after the draft, guys. I know you don't want to hear it right now, guys. We have uh, gone thirty here, and <laughs> there is so much mail. One of them even mentions pumpkin pie, so I want to jump to the mail next. I'm going to let Todd have this one, and then Mel, you can you can jump in, okay. Todd. If you had to bet a pumpkin pie on one team to move up, who would it be? And, you know, for extra credit, for extra light Cool Whip, you get or uh, cool whip you get uh, to name what player they might do it for. Oof, good question. I will go I'll go Carolina. Hmm. Sitting at 7. Maybe go up and get a quarterback. Jumping ahead of the five. The Chargers at six could be – yeah, jumping ahead of five. If I, I mean, the obvious ones would be Miami. They've got three first-round picks. Uh, Oakland has two first-round picks. So they, they have the ammunition. New England would be another one. I know they normally move back and, and get more – try to get more uh, more value for their, their draft picks. But I, I would say – I would say the – the possibility of six Chargers, seven Panthers trying to move up ahead of Miami, assuming going up for Tua, or it could be Justin Herbert if that's that's what they're into. Um, that that would be my my best guess for the first move that we would see. How about the Cleveland Browns and the New York Jets picking a 10 and 11, needing offensive tackle help? And look at the Jets. Uh, that's going to be a point of emphasis is building that line for Sam Darnold. And, you know, look, you know, wait until 11. I understand it could take a wide receiver as well, but they got to help this offensive line out. Before you worry about receiver, get the line solid. And I think when you look at the linemen that they prefer out of that group of, say, four to five, which one are they targeting? And they don't want to wait and see what Cleveland does, and they don't want to see what Jacksonville does and what Arizona does and what the Chargers may do if they don't take the quarterback. They want to go get their guy. Uh, I think that could be a spot where you want to go back. Remember Ferguson with Mangold, how they've done this before with the emphasis on the offensive line, So and they hit on those two guys. Uh, I think the, the Jets particularly are going to be aggressive at 11 and try to move up, like I said, to get the offensive tackle that they feel is the best to help out Sam Darnold. Mel, I'll let you get this one. I've seen this question come in. I'm not mm-hmm. kidding, like 25 times okay. in the first few weeks that we've been doing this. And I'll preface it. The Green Bay Packers never draft wide receivers in round one. It's it's something we've been talking about almost during 
Aaron Rodgers' entire tenure. Last season, especially in free agency and in the draft, they went big on defense, and it worked. This was a top-10 defense finally. But again, the offense didn't isn't quite where they needed to be. And so I just keep seeing this. Maurice Farr asks, will the Packers take a wide receiver in the first round? And if so, who could that be? Yeah, big on defense. You're right. With Adrian Amos and with the Preston Smith and Zadaria Smith and then adding Savage and, and, uh, and Gary in the draft in the first round. And you have three big free agents and two first rounders. So you got to go back to the offense. We saw that this year where, you know, you think about Aaron Rodgers was just Adams, outside of Adams, nothing else at wide receiver. Lazard was a guy that, uh, you know, came out as a rookie, had to contribute. The other guys didn't. Of course, the, uh, you know, the St. Brown hurt late August. Now the Scanling drops back, doesn't do it. Allison hasn't emerged. Uh, they don't have Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson anymore. So they got to get weapons for the quarterback more than just Adams. I would think KJ Hamler, uh, if he's there from Penn State, and he probably I've will be. Uh, KJ Hamler would be a nice <laughs> fit there. I'll tell you, yeah, I think another guy, if he's at LaVisca Chenault Jr., and I don't think he will be. But if he's there, and some have him projected in that area, I think he goes a little higher than that. But uh, there's going to be a receiver, I think, that they're going to have to look at at that point. Now, they haven't done it, but this year is the year you're going to have to do it, or, or free agency. Somehow, some way, you can't have one receiver only that a big-time corner can lock down on. And when that happens, and Adams isn't as productive, you got nobody else that Aaron Rodgers can go to. And that offensive line to have to hold the ball for Rodgers, who's not the most mobile now, uh, is a problem. So, uh, you know, you want to get the ball out quick, you have guys getting open and they only had one guy to go to so Todd I got to believe wide receiver whether it's free agency or that first round pick they got to, they, and they don't just need one they need maybe two to three at some yeah. point via free agency plus the draft it drives me crazy in the last five years they've spent one of one pick in terms of their first two picks in, a, in each of the NFL drafts one pick in the last five years on the offensive side it was an offensive tackle you have to go back six years Crazy. Before you can find one one of their first two picks being an offensive skill player, and that was Devontae Adams, who who's their really their only reliable target. So it's been six years since they've really spent a quality draft pick on a guy who can go catch the ball and, and be a playmaker for Aaron Rodgers. And and they wonder why there are issues. You know, and and Aaron Rodgers continues each year to to get him close and, and almost there. To the, to the promised land, if you will. So, I, I don't know. I, I screamed about it last year. I, I don't want to get my blood pressure up anymore. Wow. I just, I think, I know that they've had a transition in terms of decision makers in the last couple of years. Hopefully they'll realize that they need to, to spend just, they've got to spend more quality picks on offensive playmakers and on the offensive side of the ball. Hey, by the way, it's it's not just the wide receivers too. I mean, Jimmy Graham was playing tight end. You know, he's, he did a decent job here this year, but Jimmy Graham at this stage in his career, at a position that a lot of teams see as weapons, Baltimore, San Francisco, many others, mm-hmm. they spackled over that spot too with Jimmy Graham. Hey, Todd, by the way, did you catch that? I mentioned all. I'm going that- back now. Now, twenty. I, I just looked now. Twenty eleven was the last time they used a first round pick, and it was thirty two overall. A first-round pick on an offensive player. That's pretty wild. 2011. I mean, <laughs> and what by are we the way, doing? Thank, thank goodness for them that Devontae Adams, as a six, turned into this. I mean, he, he's a you would never you would never know in terms of as a craftsman out there as a route runner that this guy was that far down the board. Todd, I did have to point out though that 
They added Zadarius Smith. They added Preston Smith and nine other guys. And the first guy that gets called out is Adrian Amos from Calvert Hall. Calvert Hall. Yeah. By the way, Adams was like what a second round pick when he came out of Fresno State, right? No, he was further down. Yeah, he was a second round. I was going to let I was going to yeah. let Sproul. Uh, off he was on a that two, one, but yeah. yeah, he was a two. Yeah. Thanks, he was no. a two. And that was kind of my whole point. Remember the first, second pick. I must have. I, I must have. He must have not been a Sproul guy. <laughs> so I had a blind spot. He was not me. a Sproul guy. Hey Todd, Scout Todd here. Uh, uh, BJ Johnson asks. I keep seeing Auburn's Marlon Davidson appear near the end of first round mocks that he's seeing. What are Scout seeing? He wants to know who is this guy. He had a heck of a year. Davidson really did. He he played well. He's not he's not Derek Brown, uh, but. But he played his best football this past year. That whole defense played at a, at a high level. Um, I think what he did was he improved his hands, and he knew how to rush the quarterback, and that helped him. And he became their best pass rusher. But, again, when you have Derek Brown on the inside and, and you're Davidson, you're you're able to get a lot of one-on-ones, and that's that's what he took advantage of. I, I had him, I think, as a uh, – third, fourth rounder coming into the year. I'd have to double check. And I've got him now as a, a late two, early three. I think he'll be somewhere in that range. I, I think by the end of Friday night, the second day of the draft, that we'll wind up hearing Davidson's name call. And it, a lot will have to do with the fact that he played so well this past year. Mel, a couple questions coming in on this. I mentioned Simmons earlier at four. Right. Dexter Lawrence was really good there for the or, – or Dexter Lawrence was a draft pick. I don't know if he was really good. He was decent as a rookie for the Giants. But there's a lot of talk about if a team was – if if a team would be interested in Derek Brown as high as four over a guy like Simmons. Could you see that? You know, not for the Giants. I think you, know, you look at the, Yeah, I don't Derek know Brown. about that fit. I'm just saying kind of higher on the board than we Yeah, think. and I mean, they made the move. They got Leonard Williams and all that. I mean, I, I just think Derek Brown is going to go high. I think Carolina is where everybody – I didn't go in there. Todd, did you have Brown to Carolina? Um, probably did. Unless you had a quarterback. You. Yeah, you would have had Brown probably. I don't know where you had Herbert. Oh, you had him 13 because I had a debate you on that. Yeah, but, no, yeah. I, had, I, had, I had, yeah, Brown to Brown Carolina. To Carolina. Yep. That, that's the one that yep. makes sense. So they, yeah, that's an area of need for them, for Carolina. Um, could somebody move up to get Derek Brown? Maybe they could. Uh, there's no question that he's, he's worthy. Maybe Jacksonville, if they don't love Javon Kinlaw, maybe Jacksonville goes from nine uh, up a little bit to get there. If they feel that there's a separation between Brown and Kinlaw, uh, if they don't, then they can maybe stay where they are and take Kinlaw. But, um, you know, Derek Brown's one of the better players in this draft. He is a guy who can get into the backfield and, and wreak some havoc. And uh, he's you've got to be able to do that in today's NFL. Uh, we saw that several years ago with two Alabama kids dropping to the second. If you're an interior guy, and that's why we go back to Blacklock. Yeah, Blacklock Jerome did have, Reed and Ashawn Robinson Yeah, back yeah both back. in yep. the second round. So I think you look at, at a guy like Blacklock had no sacks in the final six games. I saw him against Purdue, and he looked great early in the year. Uh, but he wasn't as disruptive late, so people have to weigh that. That's why I think more of a two for him than a late one. And I think the same thing here where you look at Derek Brown, he does get into that bag. He is disruptive. So that's why he is a guaranteed, I think, top 10 pick. And at seven, I mean, you know, could he go a little higher maybe? But that's probably the right spot for him. Todd, I'll give you this one because I, I get a kick out of it. Because we, we, we always assume that there's a little bit of chalk at the quarterback position. And probably every other year or so, something really surprises us. Bortles, EJ Manuel, some of these times where you're like, oh, 
Christian some, Ponder. Some team, yeah, Christian Ponder. For some, it was Jake Locker. For some, might even say Josh Allen, though I think a lot of I, I think we all assumed he would go top ten. But bottom line is, there are teams that will fall in love with a guy. And I've seen several people tweet in this question: Is any team going to be able to talk themselves into love over Herbert? And I think you're just—it's the toolsy guy that you're betting on mm-hmm. the upside, and maybe some questions on Herbert. Todd, you talk to a lot of people. <laughs> Anybody talking themselves into that yet? I—I I know there are some scouts out there that really like him. So, it, it, you know, it's going to take an organization. It's going to take the decision maker, and not just an area scout. But I do know that there are some scouts out there that want to keep his name quiet and kind of wait as the process goes and, and hope that they, they can get him early in the second round. And, and maybe that's where he goes, and that's probably where he deserves to go. Jordan Love, to me, has the tools of a late first-rounder, but didn't consistently play at that level. And when he had opportunities, and I know he lost a lot of his offensive line, and I think it was seven starters from the, the previous year, so coming into this year, he was he was definitely handicapped, and they they played LSU early on, and that went as poorly as you would imagine it would go. Um, but he has tools, and there are some individuals out there that are going to be banging on the table for him. So I think he's the interesting one. I mean, we they're all interesting. Bur- Burrow's a one year guy. Tua Tagovailoa a year ago was. It was tanking for Tua. He was going to be the number one guy. Justin Herbert, some people you talk to in the league love him. Some can't stand him. <laughs> um, Jordan Love, Jordan Love, you know, I just talked about him and, and where he could wind up going. Jake Fromm doesn't have the physical tools, but my goodness, he's everything you look for in a quarterback in terms of work ethic, toughness, timing, anticipation, and, and, and just loving the game. Um, Jacob Eason loaded with physical tools. Nate Stanley from Iowa is underrated. So it's, it's not a great class of quarterbacks by any stretch, but it is one of the more intriguing classes we've had in a while because every single guy has something that is endearing that you love about him. But then there's something you can point to if you don't really like that quarterback that you can sit there and say, uh, uh, no way. And here's why. And the Fromm thing, Todd, is unfortunate. When you compare him, and I have compared him, we always do comps. Sproul loves comps. And it's Andy Dalton. Yeah, I'm comp. the only one who likes comps. You love comps, and they're okay. fine. But they, uh, but Andy Dalton is the perfect comp for Jake Fromm. Andy Dalton's yeah. smart, tremendous not intelligent, really. doesn't have the big arm. You know, and he comes out of TCU, goes in the early second round, and everybody's saying, oh, God, he's, you're comparing him to, Dal- to, to Andy Dalton? It's like Andy Dalton never played well in the NFL. It's like people only know what they just saw. Yeah. And it's like Andy Dalton had success in this league. Had it not been for an unfortunate penalty late in that Steeler game, not against Dalton, but against uh, Perfect, it might have been a different ball game in terms of how far the Bengals go that year. Could have gone a long, long way. So this notion that Andy Dalton's never had success, never been a good quarterback, Andy yeah, Dalton he, has yeah. thirty-two thousand passing yards. Because he's, yeah, I mean, he's not great, and I, I don't think being a good touchdowns. quarterback is a bad thing. Right? We get we get into this whole thing. They got to be great. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. Don't expect greatness. Andy Dalton's a good quarterback. Don't expect him to be phenomenal. Okay, the guys that have that big time upset are Darnold, Josh Allen. They could be great, but the guys that are good are just good. Uh, and I think when you look at, at, at Jake Fromm, if you're going to say, hey, you know, I want a solid to good quarterback. I'm not going to swing for the fences, but I'm not going to get a bust here. 
And I'm not going to get necessarily a career backup. I'm going to get a solid, reliable starter who's a leader, is smart, and his arm strength that we hope will improve a bit. Uh, and if we can surround him by some good, solid talent, we can really get a long way with Jake Fromm. Jake Fromm will probably be a second-round pick that turns out to be Andy Dalton Jr. Guys, let's do uh, one more question here. In both cases, I, I again, I keep seeing this. It's It's an interesting question to me. Uh, it's so rare that you could see a team, you know, we you, a top 10, the team's trading up. I'll just preface this. Team's trading up. They're trading up for a quarterback. Unless they're trading up for Deion Jordan, of course. They're trading up for a quarterback year after year. Goff, Wentz, we, we keep seeing it over and over. Darnold, it, it's just, it's a constant. Mahomes, Chase, Deshaun. Oh, yeah. He traded up for exactly. Josh Allen. Josh Allen was traded up for. Yep. You know, Sam Darnold was traded up for. So you're right, or an offensive so, lineman. We thought we thought when they traded up for Deion Jordan, I remember that year, we thought they were going up to get Lane Johnson. Miami was going up to right. get Lane. They didn't. They, they, they shocked everybody by taking Deion Jordan. So uh, sometimes it is that tackle. But you're right. I mean, most but, of the teams have gone up to get that. We thought, I remember looking at Utah with New Orleans. I had been talking for five. They were going to take Lamar Jackson. They yep. took Marcus Davenport. Yeah. I thought they were going up to get Lamar. Well, they didn't. Well, and then Marcus the Davenport got. is the perfect transition here, Mel, because you're either going up and getting the quarterback or, or you're getting the rusher. second most yeah. valuable player on the field. So I keep seeing, yeah. and I think it's an absolutely fair question. Yeah. Is somebody going to be willing to trade up and take Chase Young? We watched what Nick Bosa did this season. Nick Bosa was wrecking the Super Bowl, really, for most of the game. Mahomes was just was too brilliant. Is somebody going to be willing to trade up and take Chase Young, offer Washington the kind of package you might take for a quarterback if they think they're one pass rusher away? Mel, what do you think? It's an interesting question. The Redskins want to take him or, like I say, they get an offer they can't refuse. Chase Young did not finish strong, and I don't know why. Uh, you go back to the last three games, nothing, sack-wise. Um, and he had the dominant performances prior to the suspension. Um, I don't think he's as good. My own opinion is, watch him, I don't. I didn't see him to the Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa level. Um, I didn't see that. I know he was not, but that's not a criticism. It's just that, you know, Joey and Nick were, were incredible players. And this guy is super talented. Uh, you know, he's, if he'd have, I, th- I contend had he dominated those final few games, he'd have been in the mix to be the number one pick and certainly the number two pick. But if the Redskins feel like, hey, you know, the, the picks are too attractive, then uh, to, to not just uh, not just say okay, we're locking into a guy, but if the picks mean too much to us that we can move down and feel okay about it, maybe I don't necessarily see it happening. But is it, is it a possibility? I guess it would be. Yeah, I think it's a possibility. I mean, I I agree. He did not play to Joey or Nick's level consistently this past year, um, but he also remember had the the two two weeks off trying to come back, dealing with all that, knowing he was going to be, if not the first and the second overall pick, most likely. And he also, in 12 games, Mel, Mm -hmm. had 21 tackles for loss, 16 and a half sacks, and six forced fumbles. The strip sack. I mean, Mm -hmm. just And and it's not like he was a one-year wonder that came out of nowhere. He had 14 and a half and, and nine and a half the year before. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about a guy who just consistently for the past two years has been absolutely dominant. And when you put on the tape, yes, he can he can improve a little bit with his hand usage. He's not Nick or Joe Joey in that like in that regard. But he brings different things to the table. The speed, the ability to make that outside in cut. I mean, he's a friggin' freak. 
He's an absolute freak. I, I, I would, tr- I hate trading up. It is not my thing. Quarterbacks, yes. Pass rushers, they better be so elite that you're convinced he would be the only guy in this draft. Mm-hmm. Chase Young is the only player outside of a quarterback in this draft that I would actually spend draft picks on to go move up and get. Wait, I want to clarify this, Mel, because I know, Todd, you've had, you have Chase here on the record. This is one of my highest-graded defensive players ever. On the Bosa scale, Mel, you have Chase just a hair below that. Where where is he? Let's yeah, let's, let's, rank, let's rank Ohio State pass rushers of the last three years. Where is he? Well, he would be right below. I mean, in this year's draft, he's right there at the top. But every draft is not equal to the previous years in terms of the guys in the. And, and you don't think your judgment is clouded by what you've just seen Nick Bosa do over six? No, you have games. to go by the way you graded them. Yeah. You have to go by the grade you had. You don't go by what they are now. Uh, right, and just making they, sure they, they were both expected to be really good players. So uh, you know, Chase Young, Burrow. I mean, Burrow's grade isn't as high as you would normally because he was a one-year guy, and we didn't. How far can you adjust it? We adjusted it a lot based on where he was to where he is. Uh, but I think that's a hard one about this draft because he you know, was nowhere to be found. Now he's up there near the top. You say, well, Young's still a little ahead of him. That's only because Burrow was a one-year guy. Um, you know, Tua would have been there, but he has the injury concern. So I love Okuda, but you know. Patrick Peterson, I had one. I don't have quite as high a grade on Okuda as I did Peterson, so he couldn't be one. Uh, you know, in terms of even this year. So, you know, I look at it and say it's, it's up for grabs. I, I still think that's pretty, but I do think the consensus, and Todd, you can correct me if I'm wrong. You talk to probably more than I do. I have my core group. And, and of the consensus that I've built is Young's the best player in the draft. Yeah, it's not, no. I, I think, I don't, there are very few years where you could get a consensus you know, as many people, decision makers, to say oh, this is the, this is the number one player. He's the best player, and this year, to me, I, I actually I'll say this: I haven't spoken to one decision maker in the NFL that does not have Chase Young with the highest grade at this point. And that gets back to Todd: if you're picking two and you're the Redskins, Burrow goes one, you got to get blown away by an offer to give up the number one player and a pass rusher, which is what you have to have in this league. To yep. move down in, the, in a year where there's not a lot of great pass rushers, there's some of that potential, but the elite guys who are the, yeah, there's guys with promise that show a chance to be really good, but to find standout pass rushers, and, and to keep in mind, some of these guys that turned to be pretty good didn't necessarily go early. The Ravens have had great success with Pernell McPhee late, Zadarius Smith late, Matt Judon late. And we've had others as well. So, and some of those guys this year, Todd, give me, and I'll ask a Sproul question. I'll, I'll wow. jump in here. Give me a day three pass rusher or two that has a chance to be really, really good. I'll go Bradley and I from Utah. I think he's got a chance to be really good. I'll go, um, uh, James Lynch from Baylor. Great motor. Underclassman. Wasn't sure if he was going to come out. Uh, Nick Coe, not a great pass rusher, but a good all-around player coming out of Auburn. Daryl Taylor from Tennessee. I mean, those are some of the guys I have in the, in the third round, you know, in that range that, that have a chance to be really good players, but 
you know, there's a reason we have them graded in that range. Yeah, Alton Robinson, Syracuse, didn't have the year expected, but had a great year two seasons ago. Uh, he would certainly be uh, in that mix. Alex Highsmith, Charlotte, showed flashes at times uh, as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there's some guys that you can get. Like I said, like I said the Ravens have, have done a great job finding those uh, pass rushers, on, not only just on day three. I'm talking about really late in the during that fifth, sixth round area. It's funny because uh, early on, we already have McShay saying he'd take a guy on day three, and you know that guy's now going day two. That's the power, Mel. That's the yep. power. Though, well, I asked. we now know uh, that yeah. Todd, because Mel called him out, Todd has, had never heard of McFarland. So, a lot of work to be done there, McShay. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> I got a fence around it. Maryland. You know that, Todd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. I think we've, I think we've hit the 50-minute mark and the insults are coming. So, you know, Todd, by the way, though. <laughs> the vindictiveness comes out of McShay late in every broadcast two, we do together. Two questions came in to, I assume mainly to me and Todd. Mel got one pumpkin pie. I got two take five questions in. Both of them asking where we stand on the new Reese's take five. I mean, I've got to, I've got to say it's good. (laughs) I haven't had it. I haven't. I'm I'm into the crunch one. The Reese's crunch. What is it? Crunchy or? I should know the name. It's got like the Reese's pieces in it. No, no. It's it's just like a. um, It's almost like a Twix stick. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Stick, you know. Oh, I love those. I might head over to the calf right now. Yeah, I just like to see the take time. five questions coming in. It's probably from somebody at Take Five Corporate, knowing the power of this podcast. But hey, yeah. we're we're <laughs> original true. believers. We don't care. All right, guys, not at all. I am uh, I am Chris. That's Mel and Todd. First draft for this week. I'm pretty excited. I think next week Todd's going to have an all new sound system, like uh, Bruce Springsteen recording at home. I, I, I lost half my day trying to coordinate with uh, people here in my, my office building. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, I got a plug here. Make sure you check out the Low Post podcast, one of the biggest in the biz. They're breaking down the trade deadline. Big salary dumps out of Detroit. You're going to want to see this stuff. You're certainly going to want to hear it. Check out the Low Post podcast. All right, guys, we'll be back next week. We will talk to you then. More Take 5 and Pumpkin Pie questions. Keep them coming.